All right, welcome along to the RT Soccer World Cup podcast on this very chilly December afternoon and probably the first and last time on a World Cup podcast that I ever use those phrases, chilly December and probably afternoon as well. But anyway, to warm me up, I'm joined by Ed Leahy of RT Sport Online and also a former Ireland striker, Kevin Doyle. Um, obviously, we're coming to the end game of this World Cup, lads, and it's, uh, Ed, I suppose, in terms of the tournament, what well, we've been left with two very intriguing semi-finals. Obviously, the first one uh, that we're going to talk about is going to be Argentina against Croatia, 7 o'clock, RT2, RT player, and then the following day, it is going to be France and Morocco, and there's definitely shades, Ed, of the 2 World Cup in terms of uh, two, and maybe to a lesser extent, Croatia, but two unexpected semi-finalists. Yeah, it's certainly not the four teams we were expecting for or hoping for, but um, you have to say certainly on the on the part of Morocco, they've probably entertained us the most uh, in, in that sense in terms of what they brought to the World Cup and the shocks that they've caused. Um, you know, but the fact of the matter, you're always going to be there with some some of the big boys who are always going to be going to be there, and we've still got Messi, and we still have the reigning champions, France. So. Uh, you know, you've got that mixture. Um, and surprisingly, then Croatia have just got got themselves to the last four as well, somehow. And that's just, that's a remarkable achievement as well. Yeah. And uh, Kevin, what have you made of the, and this is a recurring question I kind of ask at the end of each round, but what have you made of the quality of the football? Obviously, the, you know, the people were maybe fixated on the idea of a World Cup in December yeah. and players being match fit or not and uh, compared to, you know, when they're tired in the summer. But in terms of the pace of the game and, and how it's been played over the, the first few rounds, what have you made of it? Um, I've had no problem with actually the time. Of it. it didn't bother me that much. I thought it might um, lead to a better World Cup. Um, quality football. If you're into defending, the quality has been really good at times. Morocco, obviously. Um you know, it depends what you're into. They, they've been just, you know, like when you see a team with 10, 15% possession and you think, right, their goalie must have been man of the match in that Spanish game. He must have been man of the match in the Portuguese game. And it wasn't. It was just really good defending. Their goalie, Bono, um, the Morocco goalie, like didn't have a save to make in the, in the Spanish game. It was unbelievable. They hit the side net in the first half. And in the second half, the only save made was from a shot come cross. That wasn't, it wasn't even a shot. It was just like meant to be a cross. Save, that was it. You know, unreal discipline and defensive solidity um, in both games. Portugal had a few more chances against them, in fairness, but still nothing too clear-cut. Um, so from that side of it, there's been shocks. I think it's been a good World Cup. I've enjoyed it from the football point of view. Um, atmosphere has been great at some of the games, even in some of the quarterfinals. You know, you just, you're expecting more noise and, and whatever. And it's understandable, I suppose, it's in Qatar. Um not the easiest place for everyone to get to and to travel to and not a footballing country with their own fans, I suppose, going to fill stadiums and make noise. So um, that's, I suppose, has been the one thing that you'd say would have, could have been better. But football, good games, bad games, like every tournament. Shocks. What was the last shock? Like Costa Rica, maybe? Was What year was that? When they, they got uh, to this? That was 2014. 2014. Like, uh, I know we're saying like Croatia is a shock, but they were in the last final, weren't they? So... You know, they're you know it's, it's consistency. It's not a shock, really. We're surprised, I suppose, but they're probably not surprised. They probably view themselves and rightly so, as it turns out, as contenders. Yeah. Um, what have you made of the refereeing as well? And I'm asking this because up to the last 16, I think 
there was a general sense that the re- standard of refereeing um, had been pretty good. But then, um, obviously, the English were not too happy with Sampaio in their game against France with a couple of decisions. There was uh, yeah. Messi and Emiliano Martinez and the Dutch contingent as well were both giving out about the way La Haas managed uh, their quarterfinal. And then probably most bizarrely of all was Pepe and Bruno Fernandes of Portugal complaining about an Argentinian referee, uh, you know, refereeing their yeah. game against Morocco. And... Uh, generally there i think uh, the thing with that game actually it seems that was probably the one where there was the least controversy in terms yeah. of decisions no no controversy i i was working on that game for rt um and we didn't think anything of it there was nothing listen portugal i know they're after the fact and they're moaning and they're just i suppose trying to deflect from their poor performance you know i think they felt like they just had to turn up you know they were playing morocco and now they're going to be in the semi-final i think they're just kind of the shell shocked and they're trying to blame someone the ref that was the that was the best refereeing of any of those games you, you listed out there was nothing to talk about there was no controversial decisions like you know they had there was no close vr calls there was nothing that the ref could really make a decision on you couldn't say they were turned out for anything vital so i don't know what his issue is there and why would an argentinian ref be biased against Against them, you know, it's it's you know Morocco v uh, v Portugal. You know, you couldn't ask for a ref from further away. To be honest with you, it's at least the least um, opinion on either team or wanting one to go through. I'd imagine. Um, uh, you know, the other games, yeah, wasn't brilliant in the England game, but I didn't think he was brilliant for either side. Um, the the Dutch game again, you know, poor decisions for both sides. It's always the team that gets beat. You know, goes out and blames the ref. Either team, if that had been the other way around, France would have been given given that, but the ref giving the penalty for the VAR and, or, or Harry Kane's penalty that has missed. I mean, they'd have been moaning just as much as England were. So I think it's just the losing teams, you know, and they're trying to deflect a little bit and they're frustrated and they're trying to come out with anything to take from them not doing their job. Yeah, for sure. But uh, obviously, first semi-final we're going to be talking about is Argentina against Croatia. 7 o'clock, RT2, RT player. Now, these are two teams that met at the last World Cup. And uh, if we recall that, Ed, it was uh, very comprehensive uh, in regards and in, in, in the sense of Croatia winning quite easily against yeah. what was a very poor Argentinian team. Yeah. Um, I don't know what your opinion has been on Argentina, but I don't think they've played well really in any game. They've been effective. They've got results. But it's been really ugly. I did their first game against Saudi Arabia. It was, you know, they got beat, obviously. They played well, actually, for about half an hour in the first half, and they were unlucky. A couple of offside decisions were really, really borderline, you know. Um, but then after that, since then, I, they haven't really played free any free-flowing type of football. You know, my... my um, Image of them is Acuna. Is it Acuna the left sided left back? Left yeah, the left back. Yeah, who's who's suspended for this semi final? Okay, yeah, he's just driving me mental. He's just you know he just goes around kicking everyone. He's a very good defender. He's a defensive left, but they they have no width. Everything is wedged down the middle to Messi. Nothing. Di Maria a little bit, but he didn't play. He was injured for a couple of games, and he's been you know he's not the Di Maria of all I suppose he hasn't been for a long time anyway but it just feels like they try to wedge everything through the middle no way and they're just <laughs> filthing their way through the tournament but it's effective you know and that's that's why you know you start of feeling that Argentina are just going to filth their way to a win you know winning the World Cup uh, I don't like to write off Croatia because they're very very good and they've been written off in a few games so far um, it'll be really really close I just have that feeling that Argentina just Playing ugly, and they've got Messi with a little bit of relying on him, a little bit of brilliance to open up the team. 
Yeah, and I suppose, Ed, in terms of, uh, as, as as Kevin said there, I mean, if Argentina are going to go through the middle and don't have a particular pace or a not blistering pace in the team, you could say the same about Croatia as well. So we're going to be looking at a real chess match here, especially, and everything happening sort of in the middle of the field. Yeah, well, <clears throat> the two teams, they're not a million miles apart from each other, are they, in terms of style? Um, both hardworking and compact and resilient. But um, I suppose Argentina have that little bit more class in the team and you could see they were more likely to create chances. Um, as, as I said, even back in the Saudi Arabia game, back, back, back in the first game, they were, they were creating chances and they were looking a bit livelier in attack. I was disappointed with Croatia in that final third during the, during the week. Um, they were really relying on that midfield three, Kovacevic, Brozovic and uh, Modric, um, who really held it together, I thought, for them. Then, but they also had then the likes of Juranovic uh, bombing up the wing. And uh, I thought they actually played better when, when uh, Petkovic came on. I thought he looked a bit more creative up, up in that final third. Uh, Argentina, uh, like, I've sort of enjoyed, I've enjoyed watching them because it's, it's, it's sort of exactly what you expect from Argentina. And I think the last 10 minutes of the Dutch game was probably the, my favourite 10 minutes of the whole tournament. Just... It was just a, that 2 nil scenario and then the goal and then the free kick. And I, it was the first time I've jumped off the couch in years watching football, I think. And uh, it just really got me going. And I thought, I thought fair play to them. I thought they, they really um, stood up in, in extra time and, and they probably deserved to win it over the 120 minutes. And, you know, they got the, the reward and, and the, in the penalties. But um, I think Messi as well. We're starting to see him influence games a bit more. Maybe it's because it's that bit more prestige and maybe playing against the better opponents and teams who are going to win games, it gives him a bit more space in uh, in attack. And I think he, you know, you'd, you'd like to hope that he will he will be the difference in this one um, if we want to get that dream final, I suppose. Yeah, and what Ed said there, Kevin, about uh, Argentina just uh, you know looking slightly better in attack uh, in the during the knockout stages. There, the one thing that we have noticed though, they go two 0 up against Australia, and the Aussies were come very close to equalising, and, and then uh, in the uh, obviously against the Dutch as well. They, they're 2 nil up, appear to be coasting into the semi-finals, and then obviously they can't deal with two, you know, two very tall strikers being brought on. Yeah. Would you have concerns about their game management as yeah. a result? And and also their, I suppose, their emotional balance as well, because it got very fractious at the end. A lot of stupid fouls and things being given away. Yeah. Um, and as well, they're one nil up against Saudi Arabia and absolutely cruising and looked like Verona, you know, scored a hat full of goals there for a few minutes in that game and end up losing. So there's obviously something there, um, you know. You'd hope they've learned their lesson. In fairness, with the Dutch one, that was like they just bring on a six foot six, all tactics but we and hit the big man. It's great to see, <laughs> great to see Dutch football going from their total uh, total football. Everyone trying to copy all their youth systems, trying to copy Dutch football, and when it comes down to it, they, they revert to Ireland and go for the big man and hit him. Um, so you know, there's a place still for that in football. Um, hard to hard to mark that as well. Um, fairness to Argentina, hard to deal with that. They wouldn't have to deal with something like that for a while. Um, I'm interested in Argentina because Martinez is so good, and he's had a poor World Cup, and he looks devoid of confidence. But he took that pressure penalty, you know, to win it for them. A really, really good penalty. So that could spark him a bit into life. I know he might start. Alvarez has been sharp. He scored a goal or two as well. So they have like they have quality there, you know, and the two of them are quick as well. Just feels like they haven't got the best out of either of them, particularly Martinez. Um, but maybe that'll 
you know, that goal, that big pressure relief, getting him to a semi-final um, might get him going. Um, Croatia, like they're just, you know, you think they're relying on Modric, but he just keeps going. He's like that, just, he's, the last World Cup is the same thing. He's aged and he's going to get, you know, he won't be able to keep it going all the way to the final. And he doesn't seem to bother them. They just, you know, 120 minutes again and they're just still there, still going, still, he didn't even take him off, I think, in the, in the, Quarterfinal. They took him off in the in the last sixteen. Yeah. Um, I don't think they off in one hundred and twenty minutes. So um, really tough one to call. Again, you, you said as you say, Argentina is the up in the game. You right off Croatia. I just feel, you know, you don't have a gut feeling with these things. Anyway, when it gets to this stage of when two teams are fairly evenly matched, there's just that I don't know romantic thing or Messi getting to a World Cup final you know or winning a World Cup I just feel a sort of that meant to be thing with Argentina Yeah and obviously when we talk about Morocco a little bit later on they obviously defend as a team I know there's a lot of folks on the back four but on the Croatian side uh, what have you made of Vardial I mean at the back with Lovren who was a bit of a you know someone who often was criticised when he was at Liverpool but he's had a good World Cup but Vardial who's younger um, and expected to move on to bigger clubs in the future he's been outstanding yeah, yeah. There's a few in the tournament who you sort of surprise. Um, you know, you have to have a squad, I suppose. You know, there's no point in going in with a team of eleven and hoping to get to a World Cup final because so easy to get suspended, so easy to get injured, and they're able to bring someone in and slip into a back four like Morocco. Morocco had to make two changes to their back four, and that's why I thought they wouldn't get through against Portugal. And their back four is so strong; we could take two people out and won't be able to. You won't be in the end. Actually, the back three was changed uh, towards way during the game, and it didn't seem to affect them, and it hasn't affected Croatia either. Yeah, and Ed, I suppose Croatia's track record as well. I think it has to be said. I mean, for a country of whatever it is, up to four million people, it's been said. It's been said many times. I think because our population isn't too far from, we're often sort of compared to the likes of themselves. And I mean, they've only missed one World Cup since they made their debut in 1998. Three World Cup semi-finals got to the final the last time, bronze medal in 1998. And yet, it, I think trying to find an explanation as to why they are the way they are. It, like I was reading Slavin Bilic's piece in the Athletic, and I'm none the wiser as to why Croatia is such a <laughs> great team. He gave some kind of explanations. It's sort of like in terms of development do enough but not too much and it's it's kind of it's kind of hard to explain but it is a remarkable story nonetheless oh it is but like you know the uh, obviously it's a an emerging nation croatia but like the whole yugoslavia uh, background and you know it's it's very evident in that in that region the football is 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 just huge the club scene is huge um throughout serbia throughout croatia you know so it's it's no surprise they're there in that sense because they have that culture of, of playing of playing football. And what do they have? They don't have they don't have a GEA. They don't have a IRFU to to compete. The, well, I suppose well, they've got the basketball and their indoor sports. The the handball um, is big, but you know, generally speaking, um, football is is the national sport. So look, they're there because you know that's what success brings. It brings people want to play. Sports want to play football can you imagine like this current team would have grown up on the the Bobans and the Sukers um, from 98 you know so that's what that's what a uh, legacy does for football clubs and it's what happens in, in all the big football nations and you know we have we have uh, little spurts of, of that here but hopefully it's something that will develop a bit a bit better 
Yeah, I think what Billich sort of was trying his point uh, in, in in terms of uh, albeit he didn't really explain why, and obviously he wants to keep the secret there as to why Croatia are good. But it was the idea that they're sort of like a middle income economy. They have enough infrastructure, uh, just enough infrastructure to actually develop players, but not too much. And he was kind of contrasting it with Germany, where there's a lot of technology being used there in terms of player development and for Croatia feels a little bit more real in terms of the way they develop players. But again, um, I think yeah, there's an idea of trying to keep the, the secret, uh, the secret at home. But just um, so, so just on that note, Ralph, they're yeah. also they're also a very um patriotic country and they're they're a type of team who will perform better than the some of their parts, you know. Um they have that national passion that isn't too evident in too many uh, too many um countries. Like obviously we've seen it in our own team for years now, but if you look throughout the World Cups, there's always teams who don't perform because they don't seem to have... England, probably most notably over the years, never had that uh, real togetherness that they have. When you see the teams like Morocco and Croatia in this one, it's that team spirit is certainly getting them to the... giving them a certain advantage in, in certain games. Yeah, and certainly, and yeah, a lot of their players sort of play from under tens together into the Dinamo Zagreb Hydric split thing, I think was the other point that was being made. So there, there's a unity there and... Uh, he says they're a better team than Argentina, but he means obviously in terms of unity. Um, then uh, on a final point uh, in regards to this uh, semi-final, um, Kevin, I suppose we've talked a bit about Messi, but you know, in terms of the positions he's going to pick up, there's not going to be a lot of space in the center of the pitch. So how is he? How where like where do you expect him to pop up in that game? Because obviously he's very smart. He walks around a lot, which people criticize him for, but. That walking around is actually just looking for looking for spaces, but where where are those spaces going to pop up? He walks around it, but that's no different to his whole career. You know, you watch him at Barca when he was at his best, and many times I'd look at him and go, "Geez, I'd love to be just walking around a pitch like that and having that energy when you get the ball." But listen, he's able to do something when he does get the ball. He's given that free ball. That's the thing, you know, because they're so compact, Argentina. They're so wedge and everything through the middle. I suppose they're wedge and everything through the middle. They don't have wedge, but then they've got Messi in there in the middle. They want to give him the ball, but it was really, it's been a few games now. Like when Saudi Arabia crowded out the middle, you know, he went really quiet. And um, when the game is open and there's loads of space, like good players want space. You know, it's the, what you want in football. How do you find space? How do you get it? Um, he hasn't got it. He still managed, you know, what was the. That true ball he played like, and it was so you know it was still two or three around him. Beats a man, plays that true ball for the goal. I can't remember who scored it um, for Argentina in the last game. Like he doesn't need a whole lot of space. He's able to make his own space. He's able to dribble past players. Um, so I suppose he's just used to it. You know, he spent his whole career where there's you know sort of like Mbappe in the last few games. He's been doubled up on. He's been tripled up on, and he's managed to find a way. And they have quality enough quality I think around them that's the problem when you're playing a really good team and they've got good players you know you, you pick one out to double up on and someone else gets space then because of that um, you'd wonder whether you know do they have enough quality when it gets to this stage that they can they can not sacrifice Messi but you take a few people away are, are Alvarez going to step up is Di Maria going to step up someone else needs to step up to the plate sometimes seems to be everything on you know Will Messi score? Relying on Messi, looking at Messi, passing to Messi, it should make it easier for other people. In that case, you watch him every time he gets the ball. Same with Mbappe. I think the first game I was watching Australia, and you know, every time he got the ball, two players out to him, another dragged out to him. The same with England. England actually kept him quiet, but then someone else steps up and scores. So you know that was the whole thing. I know I'm getting off topic here, but in England, the England game is how is Kyle Walker going to deal 
with uh, Mbappe, and he did deal with Mbappe. Mbappe was very quick for the game, but you know, yeah. it's, it's when you have good players around, it's not the one lad you focus on one person, someone else is going to pop up. Yeah, we'll touch on the French and Morocco very shortly. But first, uh, before that, obviously, Argentina beat the Netherlands, who were going to be playing in uh, the Euro 2024 qualifiers next September and then the second game a couple of months after that. Um, Kevin, like, what's your take on the Dutch having seen them across this tournament? Are you as daunted watching them in the World Cup as maybe you would have been on paper when the draw came out? Um, yeah, it's what I expected. You know, they got to a quarterfinal. They knocked down penalties. They're a good team good players um i don't know is louis Vahal going to be there uh, ronald ronald coleman's taking the job now he, yeah, yeah. i didn't hear that so yeah um you know new manager he's a good manager ron coleman as well so you'd nearly prefer louis van Hal to still be in charge you know a new manager gets players on their toes sometimes you can have that world cup hangover that's what we're hoping for with ireland played france in in march that listen you get to a world cup final now a few players might retire and, and it takes him a you know, six months to get going again. Um, you'd hope for the same with the Dutch, but when they've got a new manager, that to me gets everyone on their toes again, you know, so that'd be my worry for us against them. But like, I, I go like, look at, take inspiration from people like Morocco, um, you know, who aren't brilliant. You know, you go through the list of players and you go through the list of Ireland players, and you, you know, much for muchness in all of them. So just because we mightn't have the players, you know, you, you need to get more than the sum of their parts. I don't think we've managed to get more than the sum of the parts of the Ireland players now in a good few years. Um, so that's what Stephen Kenny has to do. How does he get more more from the players? Whether it's, you know, have have 20% possession and be good on the counter-attack. You know, you don't have to boot the ball for any. I'm not saying, you know, Morocco don't boot the ball. They're really solid defensive and really good on a counter-attack. You know, find a way to beat the bigger teams. There's no point going out and playing the Dutch or the French like they play, you know, go, oh, we're lovely, we passed out, and yeah, we had a nice bit of possession, they were just better than us. We have to make it awful and all, you know, make it horrible for them while still playing a bit of football and, and being clever, you know, and, and finding a way to win a game. Um, and that, as I said, that doesn't mean, you know, playing like we did near the end of Trapatoni's era or the end of Martin O'Neill's era when we went very direct and it was, you know, not nice to watch um, near the end of both those reigns. We can still play football, but just finding a way to be horrible, be defensively strong, not concede silly set-piece goals like we have recently. You know, We don't have to play up from the back with the keeper every single time we get the ball. We can mix up with more and somehow get the players inspired to, to get a result because that's, you know, that's, that's what the manager has to do to keep his job. You know, there's no point in saying I've developed our football and we're playing lovely now. We're still getting beat, but we're playing lovely. You, know, you have to win games as well on top of all that. So, um, yeah, there, there is a way. It can be done. It's not impossible as teams... Have teams have shown through history and are shown again in this World Cup. Yeah, certainly. And Ed, obviously, it's not just the Dutch. Uh, we have uh, what could, what are the favourites for the for this World Cup up against uh, who are playing Morocco uh, tomorrow as well, also in our in our qualifying group. So it doesn't get easier on that front. No, um, and you know, like Kevin said, you know, you'd hope to catch France on the hop a little bit, but I think I'd like to hope that Stephen Kenny's learning from watching this French team and how to play against them because. You know, over the last couple of years, he's sort of settled on a on the back three, and you know, in my opinion, I think I think you need to go almost go with a flat back four against this French team. Otherwise, you're just basically turning yourselves into a into a back five. And if that's what it, if that's what it takes, you know, if if he's happy with sort of playing a back five against France, all well and good. But in that in that case, we're going to be back to the wall. Um, 
you know, uh, like uh, I think this France team are very good, and I'd, I'd be more inclined to look at the, the Dutch game as as a team. We could probably work something out a bit better because they're a little bit slower. Um, and one of the interesting facts I've, I've been noticing in, in the World Cup so far is the time it takes for um, for teams to get the possession back. And I'd love to see what the, the stats are for Ireland because that's where the Irish, old school Irish, um, put them under pressure scenario sort of worked really well, you know, because it, it allowed, even if we weren't using the ball too well, it allowed us to get the ball back a little bit quicker. And I think that that could be a a bit of a downfall with the current team. So if I'd like to see that I'd like to see the stats on that and, and hopefully be improved on. Yeah, and Kevin, are you convinced by France? They obviously had their first real test on paper um in the quarterfinal against England. And I think probably fair to say England had the better of the game in certain certain periods yeah. of it. Uh, what did you, what did you make of them? Um I think from their point of view is not playing particularly well and winning the game. Not relying on Mbappe to win the game. Um you know, they have enough elsewhere. Drew's obviously, listen, you can rely on him for goals. Um, but yeah, it's real pace in the team as well. Nothing like pace in the team, you know, to just to worry a back four, make him sit deeper, you know, always, always have that thought in your head, I can be ripped apart here just by a simple ball over the top. So no, I've they've been the most impressive team from a, from an exciting point of view at times, I think, but also in the England game when they weren't, were very average, but good enough and, you know, played poorly in a World Cup, not poorly, but played ordinary in a World Cup quarterfinal and won the game. Um, when when you were to look at it and you just looked at the outright play and chances, it was England's to win really and, and France managed to get through it. Signed a good team after the World Champions, been there and done that, but we're still missing players, um, missing some good players and managed to overcome that and just find a way to win a game. Yeah, and as a striker, um, obviously looking at what the task Giroud is going to have uh, against that Moroccan defence and just how organised they are, how would you be approaching it in terms of trying to maybe try and drag defenders out of the way? And obviously, look, there'll be he'll have to link up with the likes of Griezmann and Mbappe as well, but in terms of that individual role, it's it's a thankless task, but I'm sure there's uh, there's ways of pulling spaces around. Yeah, I would, like, France won't be, I don't think... Like Portugal, Spain specifically didn't. Everything was in front and sideways. They never stretched them. I think Mbappe should play a little bit more through the centre times against them, running behind them, force them in behind, like play some ball. They don't. You don't have to be good balls, but straight the back four for Morocco never got stretched in the two games. Portugal had no one to stretch them. Someone just to you know they're they're so compact. Their midfield are so good at getting back and helping them. Um, that just stretch them. Get in behind them, make it awful for them for a while, and then space will open up. I think France will do that, to be fair. And Giroud, he's not going to venture anywhere other than the box anyway. He doesn't go out into the wings. He's not a type to be running channels and doing all that. He stays in the box. So, you know, that side of it, they're different to to uh, Portugal. I, I was doing the Portugal game, like, and they were getting into wide areas, and every ball was looking for a pullback for a perfect goal, putting the back for Fernandes, putting the back for Ronaldo when he came on, all on the edge of the box, waiting for that, you know, Perfect goal where Shrew won't be like that. He'll be getting across the front man. He'll be trying to get in the back. He'll be trying to win headers in the box in the six yard box. That's where he does his work. So, you know, it'll be different for Morocco defending against him than it would have been against the Spanish who wanted to score the perfect goal. And Portugal, to a lesser degree, were trying to score the perfect goal as well. Um, Morocco, you know, you know, Giroud just will be in there and it'll be a test for the two center halves. He's so good in the air. He's such a good goal scorer. But he makes the awful runs. Like he makes it, you get across the front stick, drag a centre half. So then a pullback will be on. You know, if you do that a few times, 
it opens up play. Portugal didn't do that. Spain didn't do that. Stuff that maybe goes unseen sometimes. But you you need a number nine who who will just be a bit awful at times. You know, like Haaland is from Man City. He doesn't get involved in the build-up play. But he's in there, in around the centre half, making it awful for them. They'll always know he's in there, running across them, getting in their way, blocking them. And balls will be fired into him. And it doesn't have to be him scoring them. But when he's putting them under pressure, centre half can't get a big clearance. It'll drop to... You know, lads on the on the edge of the box. Um, you know, sort of. Yeah, and, old, and old football, but but yeah. ways of scoring goals that's not perfect. Yeah, and Ed, I suppose Griezmann's going to be key as well. He's been quietly very effective in this tournament, picking up pockets. But um, as we've seen with the way Morocco tend to defend, uh, you know, the fullbacks are you know world class between Mazraoui and Hakimi. But it's the role that Ziyech and Bufal play in terms of doubling up that seems to be the thing. So Griezmann's positioning is going to be key here. Yeah, but look, Kevin's absolutely right. I think it's going to be down to that second ball in the box. Giroud is going to be such a nuisance in there that there's going to be half clearances, dropping balls, you know, squirming balls here and there and rebounds and ricochets. And the likes, then the, the bit of quality in, front, in the French attack will, will, will mop that up. I think I could, I could see France really working Morocco out pretty quickly. I think they'll get ahead in the game early enough. And once they get ahead... Morocco have to play a, a whole different game, and I think France will be even when they're not, even when they're, you know, a, a nil all. I think France are much more adept at, at dealing with counter attacks as well. They're not going to be, they're not going to be uh, caught like uh, like that. I don't think. I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna be absolutely fine. I think they'll work out Morocco early enough, and once they get ahead, Morocco will just really will really struggle. I think. Yeah, uh, although I'll be at the French have uh, conceded five in this tournament, no clean sheets, so their defence is a little bit... Obviously, the Tunisia game is a bit of an outlier because it was a second... Uh, they played basically their uh, their second team in that. But, um, Kevin, I did want to ask you about a couple of players. Sofian Amrabat for, for Morocco yeah. has been unbelievable. Kind of shades of N'Golo Kante there. And then, obviously, Roman Saiz, who we've seen a lot of at Wolves, yeah. now at Besiktas. He might not be fit for this because yeah. he, uh, he went off the end, but the two of them are absolute warriors. Oh, Amrabat, it was just unbelievable. I couldn't believe how good he was in the, in the two games I've seen him play. Um, you'd wonder, you know, how he's playing in a mid-table Fiorentina team in Serie A and he's 26. I think Spurs tried to sign him like two years ago and the fee put them off or something like that. But listen, I, I, you know, how, how he hasn't, if he's able to play like that, that'd be my question. Why is he playing like that and, and doesn't seem to have done that? All oh, is great. He was so good in the two games. Energy getting around in from the first minute to the you know 120 minute or whatever the game ended up at, um, and, and not just winning it back and being so strong in the tackle and recovering, end up playing like covering free center house. But then what he does with the ball, he's able to find a pass, still a dribble by a player, you know, drive out with it. So he was he for me, he's been the midfielder of the tournament, um, so far. Um, and size as well, he went up, he was strapping up his hamstring in the in the in the uh, Spanish game, I think he's out now. Anyway, there's no chance he's playing. Um, it wasn't a cramp; it was actually hamstring. Then he starts against uh, uh, Portugal and plays really well again. He came off, I think. He came off in the Portugal game. Um, you know, yeah, he did because yeah, he'd end up with three in the back four or missing uh, at that stage. But um, you know, he was able to play that. You feel like he's going to be able to play this game, but just not ideal to be strapping up a hamstring. Um, it's not something that heals overnight. Um, you'd worry about him from that point of view, trying to get through a game because you know if you're not 100, you can get away with something. You can get away with groin. You can get away with needles here and there, or the, the twisted ankle, or a sore calf, hamstring is one that will 
you know, won't, you just can't get away with it. Um, it won't let you play. It won't let you sprint. You can play it, but you won't be at near your capability. So that would be a worry for me if I do, if he does start. Yeah. And I suppose the final point, Ed, um, the manager, uh, uh, Walid Regra, Regra Rui. Um, I mean, he's, um, you know, his, uh, his stock, his stock was already particularly high Ed, because of what he did with Widad Casablanca during the uh, during the African Champions League. But he's probably symbolic in a sense of, you know, if you look at a, a lot of the managers of the African teams, they're all sort of locals or connected to the countries, which is a bit different from what we would have seen in the past. Yeah, yeah, no, he's been really good. It's only seven games in charge. He didn't qualify them. The, the, I can't think of his name now. I'll over it down. But the previous manager that got them qualified got. Oh, I can't remember. He's, he's had, I think, Korea and someone else. He's qualified three teams for a cup, the previous manager. And, and never done the finals to uh, what? How is your look, you know? Um, <laughs> and he was sacked for, he fell out with Ziyech, um, and he wasn't in the squad, and he, I think he accused him of faking injury or whatever. But um, he also, um, he was accused of being too negative and their style of play was too defensive. Well, in fairness, Ray Gregui has got great results, but you can't, you can't say he's any different in in terms of his style of play. Um, it's very defensive and very solid, and just trying to break on teams. But you know, he's got you know, the teams are the team are giving him. You know, uh, he's getting the getting the birthday bumps or whatever at the end of the game. So you can see a real team spirit. They love him, and it's it's sort of like he's in a no lose situation. He comes in, they qualified for World Cup, and and he's riding the wave of of that and uh, getting them all together, bringing Ziyech back in. There's obviously great team spirit there and they've got fantastic results. Um, and he has, as you said, he has passed. He won the African Champions League. He's obviously a decent coach. So great to see, yeah, as you said, a, a local manager of their team getting real success with them. Um, and I wouldn't write him off. Like, I do think France will win, but we, I was doing the game against Spain and fair, we said, I think Morocco will beat Spain. I didn't say that against Portugal. I wrote him off before the Portugal game. I thought Portugal had too much for him. Just how they played against Switzerland and Portugal. I think they're so full of confidence they'll, they'll have enough Morocco. So I'm, I hate to write him off in this one because I've learned my lesson. But, you know, you have to, you have to say that France should have too much for them in yeah, and I'm not going to do any predictions because usually I'm, I'm wrong anyway. And this World Cup even makes me more nervous in terms of doing them. So I'm going to get both of your thoughts just in these semifinals very quickly. So Ed first, um, the first uh, the first semifinal or, or between Argentina and Croatia, which way are you going? Yeah, I, 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 I'm going to I'm going to go with Argentina. I think they're going to win it. Um, I think they're going to win it in normal time. I think they, they'll comfortably get ahead. I think Croatia are going to run out of steam. I thought. The midfield, obviously we saw Modric last the whole game and he was he was vital to last the whole game this time because he was needed for the penalty shootout. But I just don't think they can keep going at that, you know, the way they play and their lack of chances that they're creating. I just don't think they have enough. I think, as I said, Argentina have a bit more attacking strengths in the final third and not just Messi, but around him as well as... There's, there's good options, I think. I think they'll, I think they'll win that. Um, the other one, I, I, I think France are going to win it comfortably. I know it's, it's horrible to say, considering what Morocco have given us in this World Cup, but I think just they've got this team ethic thing down. Just the, the team, just the way they bring themselves to each game. I just think they know how to win each game almost. And like you know, even if they're not playing well, they just, they just get the job done. Yeah, and Kevin, final word to you. So, which way are you going? Yeah, I'm I'm waited on both of those. Um, yeah, I I just feel Argentina just sort of that sort of professional way of playing ugly and still winning games, having a small bit of quality, especially 
outside of Messi, I really like Alvarez and Martinez then to come on or whichever one of them starts. They're exciting centre forwards. Um, and the same in the French game, as much as as much as much you'd want Morocco to you know, keep the party going, um, I just think France will, will, will have too much for them. Um, a French team that I, you know, enjoy watching as well. And they do seem to have a real team spirit and they have, you know, fantastic individual players, but in fairness to the shop, he has them playing as a team. Um, he has Mbappe working harder than me, certainly does at PSG anyway. So, um, yeah, no, it's, it's an Argentina-France final for me. Yeah, and given how uh, the the you know the books have been turned up on this, I look forward to doing a preview of the Croatia Morocco <laughs> final. <a few> days. <laughs> but anyway, Kevin, thanks a million for yeah, taking the time. You might actually, yeah. you might actually get a good third place playoff if it is Morocco Croatia because there'll be two teams who will be sort of, you know, would take sort of pride in that third place finish. You know, so you know silver linings and all that yeah i know it's similar to the one 20 years ago actually it was pretty pretty good game actually between turkey and south korea that time actually if i recall well i think one of the fastest world cup goals was scored in that and ended up being 3-2 but anyway um more than likely though france against uh argentina but anyway kevin doyle thanks a million for uh coming on to the podcast today and ed lee thanks, thanks for having me.